to Enter the Glory Zone on 94.1 FM, Wave 94, Dr. Edith Davis. Spiritual believers and listeners, I want to once again continue our discussion from the last broadcast. You know that I have been talking about how to divorce-proof your marriage, and then I had a, a few teachings on the Great Awakening that is happening right now. We're in the third Great Awakening in our nation, and um, and at the end of every awakening, there's something major that happens. At the end of the first awakening, that was the um, Civil War. Uh, no, no, I'm sorry, wrong. At the end of the first awakening, it was a revolutionary war, the founding of our nation. And then at the end of the second great awakening, there was the Civil War. And now we're in the middle of the third great awakening. So I'm just like, okay. And then God had me um, talk about how to prepare for the great wealth transfer. And I talked about that towards the end of the broadcast last week um, because I had been given a very deep word about how does the supernatural faith of Christ Jesus really work. And just a quick recap of that is that you have to understand that you have to acknowledge that he's in you. That, that you have the faith of Christ Jesus. That means you've got the same faith that enabled him to walk on the water. You've got the same faith that enabled him to raise Lazarus from the dead. You've got the same faith that enabled him to feed over 5,000 men. And when you throw in women and children, it probably was estimated about 20,000 people from five loaves of bread and two fish. We have that same Power that same faith of Christ Jesus that puts us the master over time and space and matter. So, so what's what's the deal then? I mean, we have to understand that it's all in the spiritual realm that is given to us by grace. The God, the Father, our Father Yahweh has provided for us. Everything we need When he created us He knew what we needed And before we even needed it He already had it provided So how do we bring What God has already provided for us In the spiritual realm Into the physical realm And of course You must have the supernatural faith of Christ Jesus. Now, we have the faith in Christ Jesus as well, but I-N is different from O-F, right? And so, so what else is there? There's something else that's missing. And one of the things I mentioned last week was that you has, faith is voice activated. The supernatural faith of Christ Jesus is voice activated. And so you've got to speak it. And you need to speak to the problem and command it to bow his knee to Christ Jesus. Right? You, that's how it operates. So then we have a whole group of Christians. I was raised Roman Catholic when we were taught to pray in silence. So a whole group of Christians are almost totally disqualified from walking in the supernatural power because they don't walk in the fundamental 
principle because Christ, the, the faith of Christ Jesus has to operate under the principles of the Father. And the Father says that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. That's why miracles uh, and signs and wonders are great, but they don't give you faith. They fortify your faith. They build your faith, but they don't give you faith. Faith only comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So I talked about how you have to basically speak it, but it can't be just any kind of speech. It has to be something that you truly believe in your spiritual heart. So it has to be something you believe in your heart and you have to speak it. That's what activates the supernatural faith of Christ Jesus and enables you to extract from the spirit realm into the physical realm. But the other thing that we we fall short of, I'm counting myself at this as well, is we have to have corresponding actions, corresponding faith works. Not flesh works, but faith works. Flesh works are something that came out of your mind of things that you think you should be doing. That's flesh work. It has no profit in it at all. Faith works are works that have been given to you by the Holy Spirit. And then you walk into the principle of seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all other things shall be added unto you. Now you're tapping into that divine word of God, right? And the word is alive, it's active, it's powerful, it's real, it's different. The Holy Bible is different from any other book on planet earth. It is alive. So you are speaking it, you're speaking from the heart, something you truly believe, and now you need to have corresponding action. That means if you're trying to lose weight and God tells you to stop eating sweets, you got to stop eating sweets. And when you don't stop eating sweets and you see the the ramifications of this, like diabetes and heart disease and stroking out and all these things, it's not God. It's, it's not God not, not honoring his word, not honoring the faith of Christ Jesus, because your corresponding action by eating sweets, by eating the wrong foods, by not exercising or not in alignment with the word that you've spoken, that my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit and everything I eat and drink is to the glory of God. You got it? So, so that is what happens. You have the faith of Christ Jesus, which gives you the same abilities that Christ Jesus had on the earth. You can speak to the storm. You can speak to the hurricane. You can command it to stop. So that's kind of what I was um, talking about last week. And then I got into um, how to prepare for the great wealth transfer. And I was basically talking about foundational um the thing of the great wealth transfer is that it is in the word very clearly states that the wicked wealth will be transferred to the righteous. And it's all about stewardship. And so one of the to be qualified to be qualified for the great wealth transfer. You must 
be a tither. And tithe means a tenth, and it has to be first. So you, if you pay all your bills and then you give God 10%, it is no longer tithe. It can be an offering, but it cannot be the tithe. The tithe is first and is not giving God anything. The tithe already belongs to God. But it's basically an essential, an essential spiritual principle. It's not a law of the first. And so when you give 10%, you're basically giving the whole. And I was closing it out by saying, why did God need you to do this? He doesn't need your money because he needs to give you access to the kingdom and all the blessings of the kingdom and you can't have access if you're under a curse, right? We have an accursed earth system. We have an accursed earth and we have an accursed earth system. And to bypass that accursed earth and to walk in the abundance and the favor of God and the riches and wealth of Christ Jesus, being co-heirs with Christ Jesus... We must, must tithe. There are a lot of Christians, about 80% of Christians, Christians don't tithe. And guess what? They're living in an accursed earth situation. You would say, well, I see them being blessed, and that's true, because God is merciful. But you want to not operate in miracles. You want to walk in the blessing. The blessing comes from a covenant relationship with God. It is called the Barak. The blessing of the Lord maketh you rich, enriches you, makes you wealthy, waxes you rich, waxes you wealthy. And Daddy God, you hey vahe, as no toil, no sorrow, no pain, no sweat, no toil to the Barak, the blessing that he's given you. Okay? So... What does that mean? I'm under, you have the spirit of mammon. Satan doesn't have an anointing. Satan gives his people money. So, of course, this is why money is such a battleground for most people, right? And there are certain precepts, there are certain um, essential principles that you walk in in order to have money. And so let's, a, let's go to people who are not saved, who are very wealthy. They are operating in the spiritual precepts. They are givers, right? Um, and they are managers of their wealth, and they don't squander their wealth on a lot of things that don't, um, don't amount to much. They make sure that their money is going to things that appreciate, that grows, that can yield revenue, can yield things for them. So naturally they benefit from that. I mean, people look at Jeff Bezos and they say, oh, well, Jeff Bezos was a hedge fund um, person prior to going and, and running with his idea of Amazon. He was a hedge fund broker. Right. You know what a hedge fund broker is. He understood the stock market and he knew how to sell short. Right. And make great wealth out of it. Basically, understanding the, the, the economics laws of this earth system. Well, then he 
took this information and then he um, gambled on Amazon and came out a multi-billionaire. The last time I read, I guess he's the richest man in the world. But he's a giver and his wife's a giver. His wife has given to several um, worthy causes and several of them are historically black colleges, which is near and dear to my heart. So, um, so what is this all about? So this is all about being prepared for the great wealth transfer. And you have to be qualified for that transfer. And I went early in an earlier broadcast. I talked in detail about one tithe person, the two tithe Christian, the, the five tithe Christian. And that's all about stewardship and managing your wealth and being fruitful and multiplying. Listen to this. It's going back to the mandate that God gave the Adams in the very beginning. Be fruitful. Multiply. Replenish the earth. And subdue it. Be fruitful. Multiply. Replenish the earth and subdue it. God expects a prophet. God expects prophets in our marriage. God expects prophets in, in on our jobs. God expects prophets in our relationship. What does that look like? Mm, I look at my godfather, Doug Apple, and I say, wow, he's very profitable. A very beautiful marriage, beautiful children, 13 grandchildren, leader in our church, a very, very profitable man, been a very good steward of what God has given him. And then I look at um, my my dear friend who's getting married to a wonderful man. This is her second marriage, and the first marriage went did not go well. But she took her time and now, after knowing this gentleman for over five years, I think, she's getting married. And it's a very profitable union, right? It's They are uh, equally yoked, I believe, and they are both um, engineers, and so they're like-minded, and they, they're both um, good stewards of their finances. And, you know, they're just, it's all good. And so... um I just I just look at um, some of my um, friends and family members, and I look at how people have been good stewards. And what God looks at is transgenerational. When God looked at Abraham, he was looking at Isaac. He was looking at Jacob. He was looking at Esau, too, who made the wrong choice. I talked about that in detail at the last um, broadcast. So... We need to be good stewards in order to be qualified for the great wealth transfer. So if you're not a tither and you're not a giver and you're not a good steward of what God has given you, do not, do not, do not expect the great wealth transfer. And it's already begun. It's already begun. God will give you a witty invention, but God will give you favor. The favor of God, one day of favor can 
wipe out a whole whole lifetime of labor. Perfect example is Joseph. Joseph was a prince. He was um, the son of Jacob and the love of his life. Well, I think her name was Rachel. And they were, it was their firstborn son. And Jacob made it very clear that Joseph was his favorite. The long and short of it is God gave Joseph a dream at a very young age. And it basically said he was going to be the leader of his family. And that his brothers would bow down to him. And even his mother and father would bow down to him. Now, he was very young and naive and told his brothers who already had issues with him about being the favorite. Remember, Jacob came from a, a similar dysfunctional family with his brother Esau and him and Isaac and his mother, Rebecca. So this is a dysfunctional, dysfunctional trait of having your favorites, right, and treating your child, one child differently than the other. And I know that children have different unique gifts and, and talents, and you need to develop those gifts and talents differently for each child, but you need to love them if you can, to the best of your ability, equally. I always kind of do it with my son and daughter. My daughter always wants to say, she's she's the favorite, she's the favorite. I said, no, I love your brother and I love you equally. Now I have to do different things for each of them to meet their needs. But unfortunately, this dysfunctional thing was perpetuated into Jacob's family and the long and short of his brothers wanted to kill him, especially after he got the coat of many colors. And the long and short of it is, is that they threw him in a, a cistern, a pit, and then um, I think it was Reuben, Reuben or Judah, I'm not sure which one it was. One of the other older brothers went back and got him out of there and, and sold him to some Ishmaelites, which is very interesting because the Ishmaelites was from the descendants of Abraham's firstborn through the slave, right? Hagar, right? From Egypt, Hagar from Egypt, Um she had a son for Abraham. It was all mm-hmm, Sarah's great idea, bad idea, Sarah. But anyway, and that's why we have the strife in the Middle East to this very day, because of the mistake that Abraham and Sarah made with Ishmael and Isaac. But anyway, the Ishmaelites were descendants from Ishmael, which was um, the firstborn son of Abraham through the slave um, servant Hagar, and they purchased Jake, um, I'm not, Joseph, and Jacob's son Joseph, and took him to Egypt where he was stripped naked, standing on the auction block, the, a prince, now a slave, being sold to Potiphar, one of the um, administrators of the Pharaoh. So he went into the household affair, but it, it clearly stated that Joseph was prosperous, even stripped naked on the auction block. And he had the favor of God and everything his hand touched prospered. And it was evident that people who were not Christians could see the prosperity, the prosperity of, they could see the prosperity of, of Joseph. And hey, Potiphar was smart enough to say, I'm putting everything under you because everything your hand touched turns to gold. Everything your hand touch prospers. The only thing he didn't put under Joseph was his wife, who obviously was probably young and beautiful. Joseph was handsome and very virile, and she wanted him. Once again, 
listen to this, doing the right thing, but you still get punished. He, he did not sleep with her. And because of that, she falsely accused him. He was thrown into prison, but it wasn't any prison. It was the prison that was right underneath the palace. And even in prison, Joseph prospered. Had the favor of God came upon him and the head jailer had him run the whole jail. So Joseph had the leadership um, giftings and administrative giftings from day one. And eventually he passed all the tests, the test of purity, you know, the, he passed the, the power test. He passed all the tests. And when the butler and the baker were both thrown into the dungeon. Joseph asked them, why was their continence so low? Now, listen to this. You're in prison. You're in the dungeon. And you're asking them why your continence, continence is low? Why you look so sad? I mean, that tells you a lot about Joseph. And because he passed the purity test, because he didn't go to the prison and just talk about Potiphar and Potiphar's wife and how she lied on him and all of this, guess what happened? They had a dream, and God gave Joseph now the ability to interpret dreams. And he interpreted the butler's dream, which was three grapes. Um, there was a, a vine, and there were three grapes on them. And he took the three grapes, and he squeezed it into the cup of the king and gave it to the, to, I mean, the, the cup of the pharaoh. And he gave it to him, and he drank it, which meant that in three days he was going to be released and restored back to his position with Pharaoh. And then, guess what? The baker was all like, well, I had a dream, and there were um, three um, cakes on his head, and the birds came, these black crows, I guess, came and ate them. Well, that was a bad dream, but Joseph was a person of integrity. He passed the test of integrity. He told the truth. You're going to have your head cut off, cut off or you're going to be hung in three days. And that's exactly what happened. In three days, the baker was hung and the butler was restored. But Joseph messed up and asked the butler to remember him and get him out of there when he gets back up there. And of course... God made sure the baker, the butler did not remember him at all and went on about his business because God needed Joseph to look to him and him alone as the source, the principle of first. God must be first. And that's where tithing comes in. And that's where offerings come in. Right. So what happens the king, not king, Pharaoh, they call them pharaohs, not kings. Pharaoh has a dream, not once, but twice. Once about seven ears of corn, once about seven cows. Fat cows get eaten by the skinny cows. It was interesting. But whenever God gives you a dream twice, when God gives you a dream twice, that means done to the done done. It's going to happen. Get ready, get ready, get ready. So the long and short of it is now, mm, now the butler remembers, oh, there was somebody down in the dungeons that told me my dream. And they run down and they get Joseph and they clean him up. And here's Joseph from the palace, from the from the dungeons to the palace, from from the pit 
to the number two position of all of Egypt. And at that time, Egypt was the most powerful nation in the world. And Joseph was made prime minister. The only, only, uh, everybody was subject to him, including Potiphar and including Potiphar's wife. <laughs> you want to think about that one? <laughs> that was interesting. But I don't think he did anything to Potiphar's wife. I don't think he did anything to Potiphar. Why? Because he knew that God was merciful to him. And he had to be prepared to save the line of Christ Jesus, which was going to come through Jacob, come through his son Judah, right? The praise, which means praise, by the way. So the principle of first and the principle of honoring God with the first fruits of your substance has been around long before Mosaic Law and Malachi chapter 3. It goes all the way back to the beginning of time itself. God must be first. And God wants your love. And you have to choose every day, every time you get paid. Every I get paid every two weeks. Every two weeks, I have to prove that God is first in my life. And I have to take 10% off the top. Gross. I don't do net. I do gross because God comes even before taxes, right? And I give my tithe to the storehouse, which is my church, All Nations Church. Now, my offerings also go to All Nations, but I also give to other ministries. Um, Andrew Womack, um, Bill Winston, um, Kenneth Copeland, I give to... Um, Local ministries I give to Good Samaritan and missionaries. Stewardship is key. And you can't give if you're not a good steward because you have to pay your what? Bills. You have to pay your what? Debts. So I'm excited about what um, God is doing with us and preparing our hearts. Right now, we're doing a lot of activities while that we're examining our hearts. We're looking at what is the most selfless thing you've ever seen. One of the most selfless things I've seen, and I'm, of course, you you know, is of course Christ Jesus <laughs> giving up his life, giving up his blood for me, right? That's selfless. Going to a cross for me. But another example is my girlfriend, Linda. I, I've, I've had several, you know, struggles trying to get my doctorate and raise my two little kids and basically had been abandoned by my former husband. He had already kind of shifted and I was struggling and I needed $2,000. And I, my girlfriend, Linda, sent me $2,500, an extra 500 That is selfless. That's selfless. Um, I, I look at people that help me and give to me and minister to me all my life. They've been a blessing to me. And I try to, to be blessings to others as well. I want to basically try to wrap this up. We're going to get more into how the tithe 
is important. I remember at the end of the broadcast last time, I, you know, I, you hear the age of, well, why does God need my money? God doesn't need your money. You need to give to God because that is the only way that you can bypass the accursed earth system is by tithing. When you tithe, you break the back of mammon. So what does that mean? Well, Dr. David, you said 80% of Christians don't tithe. 80% of Christians have mammon all in their, and they're in their cursed system. Simple as that. And you can see, you can see the effects of that. I mean, why are we struggling to, to fund the, the missions of God? Because if, if the body of Christ tithes 100%, we could fund everything that God wants to be funded, um, in this world. Right. And and I looked at another stat as I was reading another stat. And it's it's like our nation, the world basically um, gives and things like that. And they, it's trillions and trillions of dollars. And, you know, one point eight percent, one point nine percent is given in, you know, tithing and benevolence and giving in the, in the United States of America. You know, we, we're a little bit, of course, lower than that, and true, a little lower than trillions, but we only give 1.8%. I'm in the 1.8%, guys. Can you believe that? And it, 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 it is, I, I can't even imagine not tithing and not giving my offering. I can't, because I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even probably have my job if it wasn't for tithe and offerings. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have it. I mean, because there's so many factors, people don't even understand the power of the tithe and how it protects you and your family and not only your substance, but your your life itself. So I'm going to get more into that about the tithe and how it goes from Genesis, the beginning of the word of God, the Bible to Revelation. And then we're going to talk briefly also about the first fruit principle and that you know i have a really good friend and you know he says well you shouldn't be money it was back it was food back in those days and that's true because the, you know that wasn't the currency of money that was the bartering system but whatever your substance was so god not only wants your money but he wants your first fruit so the perfect example is cain and abel you know the first murder right and the word was between siblings, right? They were taught by their parents, the Adams. They were taught that they were to tithe and that they were give to give first fruits. That's where first fruits come in. So Cain was a man of the land and he toiled in the soil and he grew. So he was supposed to give the very first thing, the very first harvest, the top, off the top first, was supposed to go to God. That was first fruit. And Abel was a shepherd. And so he was supposed to give the first baby lamb that came out of the womb of the sheep was to be sacrificed. And his fat burned on the altar. Well, Abel did that, right? He gave the first sheep. And the fat. And guess what? His offering was accepted by God. But Cain, if you read closely in the word, Cain gave his offering later. So it wasn't first. And he did not accept Cain's offering. But he said, if you do right, he said, why is your God spoke to Cain and said, why is your countenance down? 
Why are you looking so sad? Sin is crouching at the door. If you will do right, you will be accepted. You know what to do. It has to be first. The first prince, the first fruit principle. It's an eternal, eternal principle. And what happens? Cain kills kills Abel because he's mad that Abel got accepted and he weren't. But Abel should have got accepted because what? He did right. He did the right thing. But what, what Cain didn't count on is that the blood, the blood of Abel cried out to God, just like the blood of Christ Jesus cried out to God when he was on the cross. See, Jesus was sinless. Satan got tricked. He violated. He killed a righteous man. <laughs> that was game over for Satan. So so Abel's blood cried out to God and then God confronted Cain and God could have killed Cain, but he didn't. He just put a sign on him and banished him. Right. So the long and short of everything, that's the principle of first fruits, which goes along with the tithe. Now, let's talk more a little bit about that. I'm going to get into the firstborn a little bit later and we will talk about that. And that will give you a deeper foundation on how to prepare for the great wealth transfer. I want to end this broadcast with Romans 10, 9, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you are you will be. You are saved. Thank you for once again joining me on Enter the Glory Zone on 94.1 FM, Wave 94, Dr. Edith Davis. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for, to be overcome by your presence.